The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com Extended Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended and we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. Uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's, uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of extended. Extended. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the forum on the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. We haven't done one of these in a while, so we've been trying to work out all the technical difficulties here, but uh, we've got three guests on the line, and I'd like to welcome Fletcher McKenzie. Hi, Fletcher. Hey, Dave. Thank you for having me. It's great no to worries. It's, it's great to have you here. 
And we've got Aaron Pierce. Hi, Aaron. How you doing, Dave? Great. And I've got Aaron Patchett as well. Two Aarons. Hi, Aaron. G'day, Dave. How's it going? Great. Um, I just want to uh, talk to each of you a little bit about your aviation backgrounds and your current uh, careers on aviation. Um, so we'll start with Aaron Pierce. Um, now, you're currently the CFI manager of um, South Canterbury Aero Club, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Four years, just. Wow, okay. So how did you get into flying and whereabouts did you train? Um, my earliest memory of being in an aircraft, I think I was probably about seven. Uh, my uncle was a PPL um, and took me flying in a Tomahawk. And I, I can barely remember seeing over the dashboard. Um, ironically, that same aircraft, I think it was actually in my fleet when I became the CFI here. Um, and I trained at Southern Wings down in Invercargill. Okay, yep, yep. So what did you train on? Uh, Aircraft-wise, uh, soloed in an Alpha 150 and then PA-28 primarily. Okay, oh, cool. And, and so with your current role managing the Aero Club, um, can you give us an overview of what you actually do? <laughs> I don't know what I do. Um, <laughs> Every day is different and I'm still figuring it out. Um, after four years, um, you still feel like you haven't figured it out. Um, so I, I do everything right through from a trial flight to um, upgrading the staff and training CCATs, um, managing our scheduling, um, liaising with our maintenance. It's, it's marketing. It's just never ending. Um, but that's what keeps the job interesting. Um, I enjoy teaching as much as I enjoy flying, so that's what's led me to career instruction because, you know, the, the teaching and reward that the student gets, um, I get as much joy out of that as I do flying. So it's, it's worked out perfectly for me. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, and what are you currently instructing on there at the Aero Club? What, what aircraft have you got online? Uh, so we've got a couple of Tomahawks. We've got a 150 Aerobat. We've got a Archer. We've got a 172 RG and the mighty uh, Piper Cub. Uh, and we've just got ourselves access to a Nangchang as well. So that's that's exciting new stuff for us. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We don't well, that's actually that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the membership form. <laughs> sorted. Sorted. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool to have something like that, a radio, big radio engine trainer. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. Um, and I've heard that you do quite a bit of uh, work with young people as well, um, getting young people into flying. Um, that's I, I don't even know how I fell into that, and I, I think it was because I was introduced to aviation so young. Um, strategy-wise for the Aero Club, it's our future members as well. It's our future instructors um, as well. Yep. But they bring so much energy to it. And when, sadly, um, a lot of New Zealand Aero Clubs are uh, stale, pale and grey. Um, yep. but, but the young people bring um, so much energy to, the, to it. And there's nothing that a, a licensed pilot to put, put to put purpose back in their flying you put them with a young per person and get them to share their passion of flying it gives purpose back to that person's flying as well um yep. but they they just thrive in the aero club environment and it's it keeps you enthusiastic about your own job it's, it's really cool being involved with it a lot of the aero clubs have become sort of 
just flying schools now. They've lost that that club and recreational side. Is South Canterbury um, also, you know, focused on the recreational side as well? Do you have a lot of older members who, are, you know, competent pilots who still come along and fly with you just for the fun of it? It's uh, it's it's a really really hard balance, and this is a, a personal dilemma and a balancing act that I'm playing with myself right now. Yep. Um, the reality is that student pilots keep Aero Clubs financial. That's mm -hmm. what keeps the staff employed, and that's what pays for the maintenance. Um, generally, in most Aero Clubs, the private members or the licensed members will not fly enough hours to keep the club financial. Um, we do need to do better for our own membership at South Canterbury at the moment in terms of flyways and social events, and that's something we're working on. But it is a really, really hard balancing act. Um, but it's, it's the students that pay the bills at the end of the day. Right, right. Yeah, I can understand mm. that. It got a bit dark, but quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to uh, <laughs> throw a spatter in the works here. But... So... Um, I know that you, you personally, um, you do a bit of interesting flying around the place, like mountain flying and, and stuff. Tell me about um, what you really enjoy doing with flying. Um, for, oh, I enjoy teaching. Um, so I was lucky enough to be one of the last instructors at Wakatipu when Wakatipu still had a full-time home in Queenstown. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and, you know, as great, as great as my training was down south, until you fly in the mountains, you don't have an appreciation for wind awareness or what the terrain actually does. Um, so when I got into um, Queenstown as a bright-eyed, naive sea cat, um, all of a sudden it was trial by fire, and I had to learn about this thing called wind. Um, so it, it's been my experience um, going in and out of Milford, flying around Queenstown, um, 115 operations in Wanaka, um, that's given me that experience of mountain flying. Um, and I'm, in, I'm lucky enough to be in a position now where I get to share that. Yep. Uh, the thing about mountain flying, and I tell it to my students in my briefings, is once you think you know the rules, the rules change. It, it's entirely fluid. It's forever a challenge. Yep. Um, and the moment you think you've got it sorted, um, you're stuffed. Um, but it's, I mean, I've got Mount Cook within 30 minutes of flying from this airfield here. So it's, right. it's ideal. I do. You dropped yeah, off there, Aaron. Yeah, you know, no, that's that's pretty much that's where I am is <laughs> ideal um, for mountain okay. flying. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got Tekapo, I got Mount Cook. It's all it's all right there for me. Um, yeah, no. sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. It's the wonders of Skype. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just having a panic there. I thought we'd lost you completely. Um, yeah. So. Uh, of course, uh, another uh, key thing that you're involved in running is uh, Kiwi Pilots on Facebook. Yeah, I, don't that, <laughs> I don't know that you can run Kiwi Pilots. You kind of click go and hold on. Uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's become something we never knew it was going to become. Um, you know, uh, a very, very good friend of mine, best friend of mine and I started that one night in Invercargill as with student pilots and it sat there stagnant for a very long time. Okay. Uh, and then we threw some more admins into it and the thing just exploded and we never knew it was going to become what it is now. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely surreal. It is, it is hard to manage at times. Um, and there are some other admins around. I think they actually do a, a fair bit more than I realise as well. Um, yeah. You know, generally, 
everyone's pretty well behaved. Sadly, when there's a, a tragedy in the industry, that's when um, the admins have to jump into action and keep a really close eye on it. Um, yep. We've had to do that a few times. I'm sure most people are aware. Um, and we've got a really good um, relationship with Alpa and that. So as soon as something happens, happens um, generally Alpa's on the phone and, and telling me about it and asking me to watch the Facebook page. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you mean with the the thing that took off that you never expected because that's exactly what happened to me with Wings Over New Zealand as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, you know, and that's... That's still going from strength to strength. I still can't believe it. But um, again, yeah, you do have to police it a little bit. But um, I think that yeah, you do a really good job. You and your team do a really good job because you very seldom see any uh, crosswords or anything on there. It's, it's, it's actually a really good page. And um, yeah, I, I do remember one particular uh, fatal accident that there was a bit of argy-bargy and you guys handled that really really well I, I got a lot of admiration for what you did so um, it's got a lot easier now especially with the majority of the membership knowing how to behave in those situations um, exactly so yeah. you don't have to say anything now um there, yep. there was and that very unfortunate incident with a ex reporter or, or whatever he was at that stage um and one of the other incidents we had was we had a lot of media in there at one stage that we didn't know about um and one of the members made a comment on a post and it ended up published in the herald or something without oh, right. the administrator's knowledge or without the members knowledge um and at that stage we went on an absolute media cull because you know it's, it's a pilots group it's a community group um but what stays in that group stays states what is said in that group stays in that group between those pilots it's not there for for the media to go and publish right Right, right. Um, you just needed to post like a 747 picture and they'll, you know, tell everyone that's a system. They'll call right? it an ATR or, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah. Micro, micro, <laughs> goes down with 20 people on board. Yeah. <laughs> Throw some words like plummeting and that, it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Spiraling. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I've, had, I've had the same thing uh, over the years with uh, Wings Over New Zealand where the media has picked up on some stuff, but sometimes it's good as well. They'll pick up on a story and actually run with it, and they'll they'll actually talk with the people who are the experts, obviously on on the topic. And and so sometimes it's good, but I, uh, yeah, there has been a couple of times where I've seen stuff pulled out of Wings of New Zealand, uh, and it ends up in the media, and that is a bit disturbing. But I think it's worse with Facebook. It's harder with Facebook because uh, a lot of people say what they like on facebook so it can be a really really bad comment yeah it absolutely. can be a complete, and, completely you know, wrong comment yeah and i think the, the poor guy in that situation where his comment got published he was actually a commercial student at one of the academies and that ended up oh. published in a newspaper that could have some serious impacts on his career and that's that's not fair um when it's said in a forum like that so yeah that led us to our stance on media in the group unfortunately yeah fair enough too mm. um and just changing the subject a little bit, uh, you recently uh, won a Grand Masters medal from the Honourable Company of Air Pilots. Tell us about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so that was absolutely surreal. Um, I feel it's <laughs> premature because I've got, you know, really I've only just started my career. Um, the The day that that turned up, I was actually, it got emailed to me and it wasn't supposed to come to my email. Um, it was supposed to be um, posted to my partner's address. 
and oh, physically yeah. I, I wasn't supposed to get it at work um the people that knew about it knew that i'd be in a state of shock so this this email turns up at about 9 30 on the morning on a work day and I, i'm checking my emails like i do every morning and this thing turns up but they've scanned the letter and it's kind of cockeyed in the scanner they've spelt my name wrong the address isn't right um, even though it's my partner's address the, the address is spelt wrong and i'm going this is bloody spam because down the bottom of the letter it said if i want to bring anyone extra it was going to be 118 pounds so <laughs> I'm, I'm about to click delete on this thing and, and i kind of laughed about it and pointed it out to Celine, my partner that you know these people are trying to spam me i've never heard of the guild what's this i'm about to delete it and, she, and she's just going no you need to call tony who's our club president yeah. I was like, no, no, it's spam, it's spam, delete. And she goes, no, you need to call Tony. And she starts welling up with tears because she already knew about it. Right. Um, and yeah, from then on, I was absolutely dumbfounded. Um, so with with the help of Kiwi Pilots and members of my own club, um, family and friends, we got over to London in uh, October. Um, absolutely surreal. Um, the Pilots Guild is a real, the, the Honourable Company of Pilots as I, uh, Incorporating Navigators as I now have to call it because I've signed up as a member. Um, <laughs> the, it's a really, really cool organisation. I think they actually get up to a lot of um, advocacy and safety um, related actions and, and meetings behind the scenes. Okay. Um, I got to go to a... Um, members cocktail evening in Wellington when I got back and that was really really cool as well to meet some of the people that are involved in the guild um, I think previously they've had a lot of um, heavy air force and airline um, influence within the guild yep. um, but they're now it, it's quite obvious they're looking at um, the future of the guild and, and GA and younger people in the guild um, what was incredible is um, the British Airways Concorde crews got awarded um, it was two or three decades of operating the world's only supersonic airliner without incident because we have to remember it was the French that stuffed that up um, yeah. so <laughs> they got awarded this award to the, to the crews for safety um, and it was obviously the head hostie that went up and um, the probably the chief pilot that went up in the the big guild hall, this thing's a thousand years old, and they went up to collect their award. And then the master turns around to the hall and he goes, can all the Concorde crews in the room please stand up? Half the room stood up around us, and it was wow. all the ex-cabin crew and, and flight crew from the Concorde were all in the room with us. It was absolutely, um, it wow. was surreal. It was really bizarre. I had a 6,000-hour wow. turn pilot sitting across the table from me. Um, <laughs> is it Nigel Bronholm? Um, Red Bull Air Race, that's really bad. Oh, yeah. 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 So he got given his award the same night, so he was there. Um, a guy that flew around the world in a um, in a three-axis microlight, like just the people in that room were absolutely unreal. Um, and it was very, very, very humbling to be getting an award, because I don't really think that I've done anything. I do my job and enjoy flying. Uh, to be getting an award beside these guys was was surreal. Uh, but yeah, very, very, very cool. And um, if anyone's in flying or, or in aviation, whether recreational or, or professionally, I recommend they join the guild because it's a really, really cool thing. It's like Freemasonry for pilots. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's really brilliant. And, and yeah, congratulations, congratulations on yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you very much. That's awesome. It's great passion, man. You've got some awesome passion. So that's 
that's where I saw, you know, when I heard we, you got the water sound. Yep. The flying bug, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That's that's what it's all about, eh? Totally. You go flying with an empty seat. Yeah, yep. totally. True. You're going to do that going a single seater. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pits. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Midget Mustang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Fletch, we'll turn to you now. Um, your, uh, your background uh, in aviation, I, I know that you've been involved with filming a lot of uh, air shows and uh, yes. interviews and things over the years. You did Flight Path TV, the TV series. Um, yep. And a lot of the the videos, um, these uh, DVDs, and and that for a lot of the air shows. How, how did you first get into that? So I suppose if I could blame my father-in-law. Uh, sadly, he he passed away. We we're all there when he passed away, and uh, I had an advertising agency, and you know it was pretty successful and great, and had you know had some cash, and I went, man, you know, what if it? What if that's me in a few years, right? So. It was just like I said to my wife. I said, "Hey, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to sit in a rocking chair and sort of go, what if?" Yeah. Um, so literally um, got out of the advertising game, sold the sold my shares in the business, and went, "Hey, you know, I can make TV ads. Let's make some TV shows." Because I sat there and went, "Well, how do you easily move stuff around the world? You know, rather than you know selling to um, three thousand pilots in New Zealand's kind of kind of hard work." Um, yeah. So it was literally, let's make a TV show. Um, so, and again, I'm in the, um, I'm pretty lucky to be in an entrepreneur's organization, sort of a global organization. Back then it was smaller numbers, but I went to, I flew up to the States, stayed in some dodgy, dodgy hotels in, in LA. Um, I can't remember. I was quite sure. I was pretty surprised when the rental car was still there when I um, came out. And uh, <laughs> went and saw a few, uh, you know, TV companies. It took about 18 months and, uh, and we got... Um, we got distribution. So then we mortgaged the house. Um, my business partner, he, he borrowed money from his parents and we, we actually made the first uh, high def show in New Zealand. Um, and oh, luckily right. the distributor, yeah, sold it to um, Discovery Channel. So, and then of course, next minute, Discovery Channel Australia ring us and said, hey, we'll take you out for lunch. And we went, wow, what's wrong? What's wrong with the show? Is there a problem? Um, and uh, yeah, next minute, uh, this big guy, Richie McCaw turns up. So then we redid <laughs> it with, with Richie and, yeah, we got to, I think it was 61 countries, and it was pretty awesome. But the, the hard thing was to make money. I mean, TV, you know, as, as we all know, TV's really changed. Uh, yeah. We still have the production company. We still do work. We, we, um, we're we very lucky to uh, – and we, we go for it every year. But the guys in Australia, tomorrow, I don't know if you've heard of tomorrow Aviation Museum, pretty yep. fantastic flying yep. museum. Um, yep. And uh, and we get to film that. We uh, we did the last one. We're, I think we're one of the first – we actually used Vimeo, uh, so it was all in high def because we got sick of standard definition on DVDs, and um, yeah, just uh, just kept pushing and and really I, I went well this is good but I need to make make some money. I, I do a lot of travel around the world with entrepreneurs. I do strategy and I just said well maybe if I combine that into aviation, can I help the aviation world, especially in New Zealand? Because yeah. um, you know how how do we grow businesses and how do we how do we a bit like Aaron right? How do you show the passion? How do you teach? I mean I love teaching as well. Um, you know, sharing. I, I think the biggest thing for me it's it's sharing, and that's how I build friendships, I suppose. And uh, th yeah, then we started the consulting business, which was great. We still have a, we still got one contract um, in New Zealand, which is good, uh, with another um, gentleman you probably know, Scott Scott McKenzie, um, ex, oh, yep. ex Air Force. Yep. And uh, so that's still going. And then I really got into MRO, so maintenance, repair, overhaul, and uh, actually with a 
agency based out of the States again. I picked up an agency. We sold the C1, all the C130 Hercules and the P3 Orion gear. There was 10 containers in New Zealand. We went for the tender. We won the tender and we shipped all that back to the States. Um, and uh, that was kind of the first foray into parts and, and aircraft. And okay. since then, I've had another agency. And yeah, we've just actually just cleared out the finance police, as you do in, in Italy, um, of all their 109s. A's, um, so pulled out all the C20B, the Rolls-Royce engines. Um, yeah, so it's literally, I suppose, I'm a second-hand, you know, plane parts guy. Um, wow. But working in a really interesting field, and, and it's been fun. We just did Heli Expo last week, which was kind of cool. And it was kind of nice, actually, New Zealand uh, tra uh, trade enterprise, I'm assuming. They sponsored part of it. Or we were yep. a bronze sponsor, so it was kind of nice. And there's, there's a lot of New Zealand, you know, technology companies up there as well. So... Um, it's just it's just great to one you know be in the aviation field and then being a Kiwi. I mean, I did the Dubai Air Show um, a few what well, was last was last year, wasn't it? Uh, and again, just catching up with Kiwis and they go, oh, you got to meet this guy, you got to meet this guy, and just suddenly it was like having a beer with you know there's the odd Canadian Australian, but it was mainly Kiwis just uh, catching catching up and talking and just trying to help each other, which was again pretty um, pretty awesome. And that's that's wow. really me. Obviously, the other part is the is the books. And I have to blame my wife for the books. You know, um, my wife's an author, she's an incredible author compared to me. Um, and she just kept saying, why don't you do something? It's, you know, it's pretty simple. And I went, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to write about? And part of the training with entrepreneurs around the world, I try and help people share from experience. So you can only, you can't tell people what to do, but you can, if you can share an experience or a story, people might be inspired not to, yep. <laughs> hopefully not to do that. So, and that's where it started. Um, and I'd have to say Adam Alphen, my one of my instructors who helped me a lot in the um, in the Benetton business we have, um, he uh, he I sort of screwed up pretty pretty badly and uh, and a Cessna coming back from actually coming back from Omarker, um, the uh, the showdown there, and got stuck in some valleys and this is before you know good old GPS and you know the compass is just moving like you wouldn't believe going, no that's not helping. Uh, and you know we just we just got stuck stuck under cloud and I'm starting to you know the old sphincter test and I'm going yeah this is getting scary yeah luckily saw some sun you know and went right let's go for the sun I had no idea where we were going and I went wow awesome there's Talpo and um, I said wow Talpo looks big today I just didn't think Talpo was that big and I'm looking at the map and I remember looking at it going oh wow those buildings have been Oh, I suppose the, the the maps may be nine months old. The buildings, someone's really dem demoed those buildings very well because those buildings aren't where they should be. You know, <laughs> and uh, total. You know, I thought I was where I was, but I wasn't. And then next minute, I'm going. No, we're in the wrong place. And then next minute, no, Dad, Eric Schwakebeck. Uh, this is a Napier Tower. Just um, yeah. I was going. Oh. Where are you actually going? It's going, well, I thought it was going across Taupo. So I screwed up big time and <laughs> wow. you know, busted airspace. And, you know, I was low time pilot. And uh, Adam said, Fletch, write everything down. So I wrote it all down. I got really sort of juicy in the, in the details, you know, trying to yep. not blame myself, but quickly realized that, yeah, it was all my fault. And, um, and, and you know, he kind of helped me sort of steer w what to learn from it. And from that, I suppose, it was really, hey, yeah, how do we – how do we learn from each other? You know, there some, I think some individuals, Aaron, well, you guys probably know as well. There's definitely some individuals that are share or some individuals that will be totally embarrassed and not wanting to mm. share. But again, if we don't share those stories, 
there's no way we're going to learn from them. So, yeah, and I, I started with one book and a few people sort of upset me. I won't sort of say who that was, but um, <laughs> an organisation in New Zealand um, and uh, who just didn't want, really want to support. So I said, well, I'll do another book. And then, of course, next minute, I like the US Air Force, so I did another book. And and uh, now that we've just done the fourth book with, there's actually a few um, legendary helicopter pilots, Bill Reed and um, Keith, uh, Keith McKenzie, um, and yeah, and now I'm gonna. I've decided, hey, let's do a book on 172 because and just only 172, um, you know, stories from the okay. edge, so or lessons. So, yeah, I look, my idea is to share a thousand stories. If I can share a thousand stories, I reckon there's going to be one pilot somewhere in the world that goes, Holy crap, let's not do that, and hopefully that's going to save their life. So, yep, absolutely, that's, yeah, that's and that's me in a nutshell. Well, I mean, I think you answered all of my questions there in one sentence, but Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, actually, I was going to say, where did you first, and when did you first learn to fly? Um, yeah. How did you get into that? So I, I was one of those interesting characters at age 13. I went to this thing called the Air Training Corps and uh, oh, yeah. I went, wow, this is pretty cool. And I had to wear a thing called a khaki uniform and a um, the old, um, it was a battle dress uniform. So that was uh, kind of interesting. And yeah, so it was. I had the opportunity to fly at the great place called Hobsonville, which is sadly no longer. Yep. I did a gliding course, and at 16, my dad said, "Hey, you know, uh, you're going to do this. Are you going to go, you know, diving with myself and your brother, or you, you want to do this funny gliding thing?" Which, to be honest, I mean, it, I have to blame dad for for flying because he he made me. You know, I've still got his models from when he was a kid, which is pretty awesome. And I said, oh, I think I'm going to do this gliding thing. And so at 16, uh, at Hobsonville, um, Neville Swan actually was my instructor, who yeah. it's pretty cool. Years later, I got to tow him, um, so tow him in a glider. So obviously, um, a tow pilot, towing your instructor, I don't know how many years later, I think it was 20 years later, was pretty cool to be towing wow. my instructor from when I was 16. So um, yeah, Hobsonville, it was pretty, pretty amazing. And I still remember the first time I went up going, why are we not falling sideways? Um, you know, 16, I was sort of, I suppose I was concentrating on girls and other things. And then suddenly it was like, yeah, we're going flying. Um, but I uh, loved it. And I remember doing some aerobatics and just going, oh, this is cool. How do I, how do I do more of this? Cool. Very cool. Uh, so uh, Aaron Patchett now, um, how did you get into flying? Uh, I've just always been in it. i the old man had his sort of PPL when I was younger. Um, well, I think he hadn't quite finished it, and then he had kids and didn't finish it for a long time after that. Um, so, you know, he just took me to air shows and always been there. I can't remember a time without it, without okay. flying. So, hey, now, you're yeah. based at Omaka now. So did we, were you always at Omaka? Or? No, so originally I was from Wellington, Um so I did my initial flight training at Wellington, not the Aero Club. Uh, there's a little organisation called the Flight Centre. Had a couple of beach skippers, so that's where I did. Well, my dad did his flying, and I did my initial flying there. Um, ended up in Can ended up in Canterbury um, at the flying school there to do my CPL, become the instructor, become the big awesome airline captain, and all that kind of stuff. Figured out very very quickly it wasn't for me. Okay. Um, and yeah sort of gone on from there really um ended up with a share in a yak 52 funnily enough i'd seen it on trade and just called the guy up and i thought it was going to be this big long process of you know credit checks and all sorts of stuff and he was like nah if you want it it's yours take it 
<laughs> awesome. <laughs> and it was, it's been a downhill slide ever since, really. <laughs> nice. Um, um, so, currently, what are you flying? I know you've got the, you're flying the Fox Moth, aren't you? Yeah, so um, a couple of mates of mine, they bought um, APT off Stan Smith, a lovely green Fox Moth, um, and they've brought that home to a marker that was an original Mulberry Aero Club aeroplane, bought it like brand new in the 40s. Yep. So that's come home. So I've been doing a bit of flying in that. Um, a few other things, Stearman, um, Graham Orff and Stearman, been doing a bit of that lately. Right. Um, and yeah, whatever I can get my hands on normally. So are you actually, um, are you doing rides or are you just flying it? So in the Fox Moth, yep, I'm currently doing rides. Um, yep. The Stearman, that's the plan. Um, good things take time. Um, but yeah, the Fox Moth, we're definitely doing rides in that. Um, so we've been operating for about six months now, I think. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, it's good fun, eh? Awesome. And what's that like to, like to fly? Is it um, a nice aircraft to fly, the Fox Moth? Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Um, it's like a Tiger Moth, but quieter, less windy, and easier to fly. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. Um, it's hard hard to get a bad landing. I'm not sure if I should really say that out loud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just in case. Yeah, well, <laughs> what was that name again? What was that name again? <laughs> don't worry i've had my fair share of bad ones it's okay um but no it's 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 i find it's like a tiger but it's just got some you know the straight wings just make it fly a little bit nicer i find so right. yeah it's good fun eh? cool and uh, for your day job you work um building engines don't you yeah um at uh, Classic Aero Machining with Tony Wittenberg. Um, so we build the, I want to say replica, but, but they're almost like off the line type thing, like reproduction um, gnome rotary engines, Yep, which is good fun. It's awesome. I haven't been there very long, but it's been a cool learning experience. Eh? So. I'll bet. I'll bet. I mean, you know, I've had a look at those engines and I've interviewed Tony a couple of times and, um, it's such a great thing that he's he's put together there and, and the team. Um, and now we're getting to the stage where we're seeing aircraft flying with them, which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so currently we've got the um, the, the Chariots of Fire collection pup here on the airfield's got one of our engines in it. Yep. Um, so we're trying to do as much flying, you know, we just want real-world testing. We've had a couple of engines run on stands, go overseas, and we haven't really necessarily heard a lot about them or how they're going. So we want one here, local, and do as much as possible in it. Yep. Um, so that's we're trying to get that as much as possible, um, and it's just good to see. So it's um it's quite an environment there at Amaka with so much vintage stuff going on and so much innovation as well. I mean, it must sort of each of you. Each of you guys at different um, organisations and groups must all just sort of feed off each other and just build that passion, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, being sort of the local machinists on the field, we do a lot of work for, like, Sound Zero and the guys over at GEM. Um, you know, we have oh, John Saunders, Bill Reed. We do all sorts of work for a lot of people on the field, and there's a huge community spirit there, which is really good to see. Um all the projects that are going on, almost everyone's sort of had involvement in one way or another. 
Um, yep. And it's just so cool to see. I mean, we had the other weekend, we had the Foxy parked outside the hangar, and I looked over, and right next door you had Steadfast sitting there, Beach 18 yep. sitting there, and then the Anson taxied out. Neat. But what more do you want? Yeah. Like, what else can That's you ask That's pretty for? awesome. Um, sure is. The worst part about it is you almost, almost become a little bit blasé about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is not a bad thing to have. It could be worse. We could not see it at all. Well, it's um, like <laughs> every time I leave, every time I leave the South Island, right? It's like, oh man. Oh yeah. Um, that was yeah. yeah. I was trying yep, to same make it up. But, um, no, it's a very cool no. community, very close community. So, yeah, oh, awesome. Um, well, we might as well uh, get into the news of, that's happening um, around the aviation scene, and I see that the um, the NH nineties have just returned back from Australia from uh, several weeks over there helping with the bushfires, uh, which I mean that's quite a big deployment for three squadrons take three of the helicopters across there. It's uh, very impressive. And uh, I'm sure that the Australians uh, certainly um, appreciated the help going on over there. I mean, it's just incredible that awful, the bushfires has just got to be the worst that yeah. they've had. I'm sure of it, isn't it? It's just oh, awful. Yeah. And then on top is, of yeah. that, no, yeah. On top of that, they had the, they've had, um, a couple of crashes, including the C-130, which is fatal. So, I mean, what, mm. this, from, from an aviation point of view, it's such, such a um, it's such a crucial thing with the fires is aviation. And, and to see so many good pilots getting involved and good people, all the firemen as well, and, and you know, the, that spirit. But um, it's also just terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah, no, it's it's not good, and and maybe this is the way it's going to work, you know. And uh, sadly, because you know, what is it, New Zealand this week? We I think we first time ever we hit forty degrees, so yep. it's you know oh, climate change, not not really, but no, I think it is. So yeah, look, and I, I did a lot of research many years ago when I had um, a uh, interesting client that did some software in the fire space, and the amazing thing was I. I was really amazed, and NAFSI is um, is working a lot harder to try and bring all the contracts together. But every state, every state, you know, d- does something different. Um, you know, just from the aviation point of view, I, I hate to think from the ground as well. But um, um, but it was just it was mind-boggling. Going, what right. do you mean? That, you know, you're on different radios. You know, and then of course, oh, well, if if that's a state line, we can't actually bomb. We can't put water on on your fire um oh, and i'm not saying I'm not saying, yeah i mean maybe it's better than it was um when i did all the research but yeah it was pretty and look i think it's going to change you know and that's it's like anything um i think they're going to get some pretty big heavy lift more helicopters um i don't know about the c-130s but um hey i'm happy to sell them if, if, <laughs> if they need them. <laughs> but um there's a whole oh, industry yeah, that I, revolves around it, isn't there? I mean, oh, even for the, yeah, the, the young, and, you can go yeah. out here as a, as a young CPL um, straight out of flying school, get yourself a tailwheel rating, go over to the Northern Territories, and you can have yourself and a scout doing six hours a day fire spotting over there. There's a whole wow. industry that, that revolves around um, the bushfires. Um, yeah. Guy I knew went over there and he was, you know, flying a scout six hours a day just fire spotting. Apparently, it's an incredibly boring job. Um, mm. You eat sandwiches and drink tea in an airplane, but yeah, 
Um, What's that old? That's a bad thing. That sounds like a good thing. <laughs> yeah. What's that old? Kind of flying though. There's not enough landing for the amount of flight hours. No. Was that old Fraser? Was it? Uh, no, uh, Dan Kirker that I trained with down at Southern Wings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mate of mine from up uh, Hawke's Bay, he did it, old Fraser, and he did it for a while, and he tried to set me up with it uh, probably two years ago, but sort of too hot for me over in that part of the world, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's pretty warm. <laughs> it's too hot for Brilliant. me in this part of the world at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, and that's it, right? Yeah. You know, last year we had the biggest we had the biggest fires ever in New Zealand, didn't we? Well, maybe, yeah. maybe that's incorrect, but, um, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's the biggest in a long time. The, yeah. Those ones down Nelson and and uh, yeah. uh, Port Hills and that, yeah, and and we've we've got fires now. I mean, uh, just this week mm. there's been fires in Wanganui and uh, Napier, and um, they've got Tomorrow. severe fire watch down in Canterbury. So, so we, we was... had one out at Birch Pass the other day. Um, in the NH90s, I mean, they've only just got back, but one of them was coming through Timaru today on the way south to go and help out with the flooding down in Southland. Right. So they've, yeah, right. they've put those boys straight back to work. Wow. Yeah, oh, crazy. God. It, it, I mean, you've got to admire what they do. I mean, the, the, the Air Force is always there, eh? The, particularly three squadron. They're one of the busiest squadrons uh, mm. in the Air Force. And the, the, there's always something for them going wrong that they have to come and fix. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, another exciting thing, which um, you'll know a little bit about, uh, Aaron Patchett, is um, it's been interesting to see uh, a certain P 40 turn up at Omaka. Uh, from the John Smith collection in the past week or so. I'm sure you've had a close look at it. I actually haven't yet. Um, oh, it, was, it was on my list of things to do, um, but <laughs> we've just, just been very, very busy this week. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's really cool to see them out in the light of day. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I'd heard a lot of stories about John Smith. I've never met the guy. I've never been over there. Heard a lot of things. And it's interesting to see what people are saying about it all. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get too much into it, but there's only a few real people that I trust, and it's just good to see them in really good hands. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things, that's one of the reasons I brought this up is because I was going to say there's so much stuff suddenly out on the uh, social media that's just absolute crap. It's, It's people just making stuff up. And... Um, you know, that aircraft, uh, NZ3220, is in a marker at the moment to, to get tidied up and then it's going back to the family. I mean, there's people putting out their rubbish that it's going overseas and all this. It's, no, it's not. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you know, this, it's, probably the, it's probably the most famous P-40 in the RNZF history apart from uh, uh, Wairapa Wildcat, which unfortunately no longer exists. Um, yeah. And and it and it's such a it's such a cool thing to see, but it's this it's weird because I've been looking into the history of that aircraft, and those it's got something like fifty five bomb markings on the side and two and a half kills, and they don't equate to that aircraft. <laughs> <They're> not <laughs> that aircraft didn't do um, fifty five bombing missions as far as I can find. I've found thirty four, yeah. and no. and and it did not do. Um, it never ever saw air combat against the Japanese because by the time it got to the Pacific was like almost two weeks after the last RNZF air to air kill. Did, um, did they just 
did they just tally up the ones from the previous glory alliances or something? Well, see, now that's that's something that people have said, and I look, went back and I thought, hang on a minute. So the first two glory alliances that came before it, they, those two never saw air combat either. So it's not their kills, and also those neither of those aircraft actually did any bombing because uh, the bombing with Kitty Hawks only started in March '44, and um, they were flying them as fighters, and then they converted them to bombers when the Japs pulled all their flyable aircraft out of the out of the area, and so yeah. there was nothing there was nothing to fight in the air anymore. So they turned them into bombers to make them more useful. Oh, um, so. So there's, there is out there on the internet that it's the tally of all three Glory Alliance. Well, that's not true either. So we're trying to work out whose markings they are. And there's a possibility from the pilots that I found that actually flew it in combat. There are, there's one or two guys that um, had that two and a half score who flew it, but they didn't fly it regularly. There were a couple of pilots who did fly it regularly, and you think, well, one of them probably had it assigned to them. But... Um, but they never, they never. I don't know. It's it's, just, it's strange. So we're ca- we're carrying on looking into it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone just decided to have some fun with those poor people in the future and paint some markings on it. Maybe. <laughs> 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 Gonna put some on the club tomahawk, say. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, do it. Sounds, sounds like a true hey, story, right? Yeah. Simsy's got shark's teeth on his, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, so long as the shark's teeth don't end up on Gloria Lions, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing with Gloria Lions is, like I said, I mean, I, I know the people that are involved, not horrendously well, but I know it's in really good hands, and all those people out there online, I know it's all just a load of crap, a lot of it, but don't worry, you know what I mean? It's um, She'll be looked after and respected the way it, it needs to be, you know? Um. And I do need to go and have a look. We'll see how it goes. Totally agreed. Uh, Another piece of news. um, Friday coming up uh, at Invercargill, um, the Yak-3 full noise is going to try and uh, break an airspeed record. Uh, So Graham Frew's taking it down to Invercargill uh, because the the Burt Munro motorbike pageant is on down there and he's going to try and break right. an airspeed record along the beach where Bert used to race his bike how cool is that that's awesome yeah it's I'm really gutted now because I forgot to take the weekend off oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Aaron just book a tomahawk cross country and go and give him a run for his money you'll be fine yeah <laughs> it's come down 60 knots below and that's more than my style <laughs> It's it's not I'm, and I learned aerobatics over that beach. It's 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 a long enough beach, but it's it's not you know you start dealing with big speeds in aeroplanes, and it's really not that big. Um, yeah, even, right. even flying an aerobatic sequence back and forth along that beach, you know, you probably only get two two reversal maneuvers and two center maneuvers before you turn around and go the other way. So he's kind of a he's it's going to be tight. He's going to be along it pretty quick. Um, it would be so cool to see though pretty wet down there at yeah. the moment though well that's true that's true i hope i hope the weather clears up for him yeah, yeah absolutely. I, know, I know there were some concerns in the uh, driving camp of that party about getting down there with the roads closed but i'm sure they'll be mm. fine yeah. we're more than happy to help host them at Timaru along caroline bay i'll let them know <laughs> thanks <laughs> uh, oh well is there any other news that you guys have picked up on that you want to talk about 
Uh, no. No. Positive news or negative news? Well, it doesn't matter as long as it's aviation news. So if this. <laughs> Well, I suppose the, the big thing that I, when I was in, in LA, and obviously there was a, quite a few Kiwis there and a lot of helicopter people there, and Kobe Bryant's, uh, uh, and it wasn't his helicopter, it turns out, um, but the helicopter he was in obviously crashed and right. he was killed. And it was amazing talking to some of the locals, you know, the bars, and it was just amazing. And like, oh, you're here for the helicopter, you know, conference. Yep, yep. Oh, we don't like helicopters. Okay. And of course, you know, you're going, oh, is that because of. So there was a little bit of negativity. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it is, it is, it is bad. You know, hard news. Um, yeah. And, yep. uh, but um, yeah, it was just, it was really interesting how sort of the public perceived uh, helicopters. Well, it was how people, um, I suppose, it's it's grief, right? But yeah, uh, yeah, that was the the only thing that I sort of um, picked up on, other than the conference went ahead and had all the you know the usual bells and whistles. So right. But it was, it was great to see so many New Zealand companies there, you know, really, really get out there. And, you know, there were spider tracks and uh, Oceania and, yeah, just so many different uh, flight cell, I think. Uh, yeah, just it was just great to see so many New Zealand businesses there. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Hmm. Well, if there's no other news, um, I'll move on to the next section, which um, I don't think I actually mentioned it to you guys, but uh, I usually ask the guests uh, what their favorite or most memorable flights were so um each of you do you want to tell us about your most memorable flight she's the two very very different things the most favorite and the most memorable (laughs) (laughs) you can tell both if you want (laughs) um Uh, who wants to start yeah, righto. I, I think like the privilege that I get as an instructor is to pass my experiences, good and bad, onto other people. Yep. Um, and I have been, someone a long time ago told me that aviation was, was starting with a bucket of luck and an empty bucket of experience. And the, the goal was to get the luck into the experience bucket before the luck ran out. Yeah, um, heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And... Um, you know, in my, especially my mountain flying briefings, I'm probably pretty down to earth with it, with how horribly it can go wrong. And sadly, how many people have paid the ultimate price for the loss of situational awareness. Um, down here in the South Island, we've got the thing called the Norwester, and it can produce um, things called 3,000 foot a minute downdrafts. And I, I thought these things were mythical beasts um, that didn't really exist under normal conditions. And I used to fly out of Wanaka um, doing 115 aerobatics and 115 trial flights. And I found a 2,000 footer one day going up to aspiring as about a, I was out of supervision as a sea cat, heading up to aspiring in about 40 knots of wind, which was silly at the time. And um, the aeroplane started going up, throttles throttles closed, noses down, and I'm still going up. This is is a bit interesting. I thought it was a bit fun. And then I realised that what goes up must come down. Yeah. And at that stage, I no longer liked it. And I turned around and started heading back to Wanaka. And sure enough, I found the 2,000 foot a minute down. But at that stage, I was kind of clipping the bottom of Queenstown's airspace. And it didn't really matter because the hard stuff was quite far below me. Um, so that was my first experience with with a true updraft and downdraft. And then I got here to Tumaru. Was that favourite or memorable? Um, no, that, that's a lead up. And I hadn't learned my lesson at that stage. <laughs> And um, 
I've got a I've got an awesome airplane here. We've got a um, we've got one of what what's known as the three sisters. So Canterbury's got B and L. Um, we've got B and M, and there was another one that came in with them. Now B and L's only ever had one owner, and B and M's had I think three owners, and she's with us. Um, 160 horsepower, super cub, pretty original, awesome machine. Goes like a cut cat. And um, I had it up in a place called Mesopotamia, um, up in the mountains near Timaru. And it was a perfectly still day. And I'd made the silly mistake of, of not really checking the weather too well. And I knew there was a bit of wind, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it. And I actually put the airplane in exactly the wrong position to have it in behind a round mountain. And next minute we're on our wingtip, there's a whack bang. The student hits the roof in the front of the cub. So I grab him by his shoulder and push him down into his, into his seat and put the wings level. And there's another whack bang, and I just start to watch the altimeter start to unwind. Um, I turn away because I realised it was the terrain beside me causing the downdraft, but we were coming down in excess of 3,000 foot a minute. Mm. I managed to get it to the other side of the valley, pointed into wind, and we probably came out, like, I mean, um, Fletcher and Aaron, you'll, you'll know perfectly, as a student pilot, you spend five hours in the circuit, and after enough time, you know exactly where you're going to land by looking yeah. at that spot on the windscreen that's not moving. And yep. I was watching the riverbed just get bigger and bigger in the windscreen with full power, climb attitude, and the same point was just getting bigger in the riverbed. Um, we came out of that at about 200 foot above the river, I think. Um, I was shaking. The student wow. no, didn't really know what was going on. Um, funnily enough, I had the GoPro running in the back of the aircraft, and I watched wow. it back after the flight once I'd calmed down, and I'd missed all of the warning signs about what that wind was doing. I'd lost situational awareness of my wind. I'd lost situational awareness of my direction in relation to the terrain and the wind's direction in relation to the terrain, and I put it in exactly the wrong position. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I consider Carlton Campbell as one of my mentors, and the first thing I got on the ground once I kind of debriefed the student, took his money and shook his hand, I called Carlton, but went, I'm stuffed up, mate. <laughs> um, okay, right, mark it on the map, print the weather, and we'll talk about it next time I see you. So, um, you know, it's, it's those things that make us better pilots, and I'm not ashamed to tell that to, um, to my students in my mountain flying briefings, because if I share those experiences that I've been lucky enough to get away with, Hopefully someone doesn't have to make the same mistake again. Um, but yeah, the 3,000 foot a minute downdraft isn't a, um, a mythical um, made up thing. They exist in the South Island in the mountains. Just amazing. Wow. <laughs> have you got a good fly that you remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, every, every student of mine that passes his flight test is a good flight. Every or his or her flight test, um, every time I send someone solo, um, the buzz I get is like doing my own solo again. Um, one of the best memories I've gotten, probably the, the, the most nerve-wracking as well, was my very, very first solo as a B-cat when I sent someone off on their first solo. Um, was in an aircraft, it was a Murphy Rebel, and I was the only one, I only instructor rated on the field in that aircraft. And, and usually in that situation, you'd go to your supervising instructor or another b and go, I think he's ready. Um, and they'd check him out and go, yeah, he's ready and you'd send him. Um, unfortunately, in this situation, um, I was the only one rated. So I was the only one that could make this judgment. Um, and he'd been doing shocker landings all morning, but he'd been recovering them by himself. So I was like, oh, well, if you can recover it on your own, you don't really need me, so I'll get out. 
Um, <laughs> and that was the first student I ever read since Solo. <laughs> All right. But he's done, he's done really well. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. So, uh, other Aaron, what, what about your flights? Memorable or favourite? Um, so, I've got two flights that really stand out. However, to me, it's more about the uh, sort of outside things being offered to fly cool aeroplanes. That sort of yep. means more to me than the actual flights themselves. It's been saying, hey, we've got Foxmoth, we've got seven flying in the world. Do you want to fly it? That's what really stands out for me. Right. But in terms of the flights themselves, um, my first solo in a pits, I was screaming with elation when I got airborne and then remembered I had to land this aeroplane. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. awesome. That about sums that one up, really. Um, it was, I mean, I think I soloed the pits with about 20 hours of tailwheel time. And it was an aeroplane I never, ever thought I'd be able to, to fly or handle. Um, and, and Andrew Love had it in Christchurch for about three years, and I refused to go for a ride in it. Refused for three years because I just didn't think I could handle it. And I already had a Yak 52 on my plate. I couldn't afford two cool aeroplanes. And then I ended up. Um, he took it back to the owner in Hastings and ended up moving up there about three months later and said, why not? <laughs> Bugger all tail, all time. It's only a pit. You know, I kind of just got over it. How hard can it be? I was convinced. Yeah, the, hey? The, the thing is, Aaron, and, and this is really important for other um, pilots that are, that are tricycle pilots, so many people put tail wheel on a pedestal, right? And tail wheel's mm. actually not that hard. It's just different and you have to yeah, stay on top of it yeah. you have to respect it but it's actually no harder than a tricycle and oh, everyone cool. out there just needs to get out and try it because yeah, it's actually yeah, not that hard feet, right? it's just different mm. yeah and I mean, throttle control is the other thing everyone goes on about your feet but learning how to move the throttle smoothly solves half the problems of swing on takeoff yeah definitely yeah. and i mean the, the funny thing that got me is like i said i soloed this this pits with 20 hours tailwheel and Within the first hour of flying, I was convinced I was going to die on this airplane. I was like, this airplane is going to be the death of me. So that was about four years ago. Um, last November, the new owner of it brought it up and very, very kindly made it available to a few people. And I jumped back in it and I was nervous. I mean, I, by this stage, I had 30 hours on type or something. Nervous, but I was like, yeah, she'll be right. I jumped in it. Well, just a pussycat, really. Um, it 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 just shows what the difference between twenty and one hundred and fifty hours makes in tailwheel. Um, yeah. So that was one, um, and the other one we uh, I was on the fifty two and we brought it up to the very first acrofest here at Amarca and we had to actually leave the aeroplanes here because um, of weather, and we came back a couple of days later and we just I had. You know, Yak-52 is my first vintage Warbird-type aeroplane. Um, and we were cruising back, and I was brand new to type. Like, had about 10 hours total. And we were cruising back, and I had two pit specials. You know, one off each wing. And it was just the most beautiful day. Never flown formation before. I was just in the lead, just straight in the middle. And it was just awesome. I've, I've got a really good photo, and... Never forget that. It was just the coolest day ever own. So very cool. That's that's my two. Awesome. Nice. And well, uh, Yeah. 
So it's yeah. good going at the end because then you can really think about it. Uh, yeah. the, <laughs> if we carry on the Yak 52, so I was in Durban. And as you do with entrepreneurs, you start, you know, they ask what you do and what's your passion. Of course, they tell them I love flying and they go, oh, you should meet Marty. So I meet this guy, Marty Schultz, and uh, he goes, oh, you want to go for a fly? And he had an L29 and a Yak 52. What's that for Marty? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, not that one. Just watch out for Marty's in general. <laughs> so, okay. so yeah, sadly we jumped. Sadly we jumped in the Yak Fifty Two, not the L Twenty Nine. But um, all right. And so we zoomed out uh, down the coast, and uh, you know, saying, "Oh, these are really good because you can go upside down for two minutes." He goes, "Yeah, do you want to give it a go?" And I said, "Oh man." So we gave it a gave it a crack, and of course, I mean, it was just amazing compared to you know the other the good old Robbie, the Robin and stuff. And it was just like sitting upside down, but literally, you know, it was just it was just. I was just laughing. I just couldn't stop laughing. So, and ironically, I've been thinking, yeah, what what's next in my aviation? You know, bits and pieces. So that night, I uh, I signed up signed up to Warbirds and um, and joined the uh, the five ship um, syndicate. So uh, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. So that was definitely awesome. a, a highlight for me. The uh, the other one I'd say now it's not me actually flying sadly, but uh, we organised um, a, a gentleman Ray Richards. He was a Corsair pilot during World War Two, and the CEO he was actually retiring. I think he wanted a bit more time in the, in the Sea Sprite, so we flew Ray Richards all the way down to um, Masterton and uh, caught up with the Corsair down there, uh, which was uh, Gene DeMarco's. And uh, yeah, we got him in the first time since World War Two, and got him into the into the Corsair. And the stories that just started flying was just yeah. awesome. And the coolest thing was actually, you know, I remember sort of, you know, uh, you know, trying to look after him in because it was a it was a long flight, right? You know, the Sea Sprite's not that fast. And uh, but it was pretty cool. And uh, and I said, "Oh, you're all good." And you know, he goes, "No, it's all good." Gave him some water. And then afterwards, he just he just said, "Oh, thank you so much." And I went, "Wow," you know. Um, to say, you know, uh, you know, a gentleman of that caliber and what he did, and um, yeah, it was just pretty cool. The fact that he said thank you, I was going, oh, you know, I, I, I suppose I felt kind of selfish because that's what you know we're, we're just trying to capture some cool stories. So, um, but I suppose that's the reason we did the TV show originally was to try and inspire other people. So, sadly, oh, I wasn't flying the helicopter, but it was, um, yeah, for me, it was definitely one of those memorable moments. I actually knew Ray. Um, he was a, a, an awesome guy, and you wouldn't have thought he was in his nineties, would you? He, he looked about sixty. No. Um, no, totally. fit, fit as a fiddle, and and uh, yeah, um, he he actually uh, he he had um, two and a half kills in the uh, in the yeah. course here, um, shot down yeah. two and a half zeros, and um, you know there weren't that many New Zealanders who actually ha- uh, had scored. Shot something down in a course there, and they were all, all the ones that did were in the fleet air arm, not in the RNZF. Yeah, um, true, that's right. He was fleet air arm, yeah, yeah, which yeah, was 24 percent um, or 25 percent were Kiwis in the fleet air arm. Uh, yeah, but the, the British Pacific Fleet, uh, which okay. formed in late 44, um, okay, the, their, their air crew was 25 percent, um, Kiwis. So yeah. it's an interesting thing that the fleet air arm, uh, the direct, um, recruitment from New Zealand and, and and in Britain, but they didn't do it anywhere else. So anyone else wow. from, say, Canada or Australia, they kind of drifted into it somehow, but they actually sent out British Royal Navy officers uh, to New Zealand and went around actually recruiting because they thought Kiwis were the right type. Um, yeah, they, right. Liked, they liked the cut of our jib, apparently. And um, Mad. What, what they <laughs> yeah. used to do... 
Well, yeah, probably. Um, what they used to do is they'd go to the um, uh, initial training wing at, at Levin every time there was a course uh, that sort of just finished. And at that stage of the war, um, an intake would come in, they'd do all their initial training, all their basic training and, you know, marching and all that stuff. And they'd learn a little bit of navigation and, and all that. And these guys were going to be going to either pilot, navigator, or um, air gunner, wireless operator. Um, and these Navy guys would show up for the, at these courses and, and have a word with them and say, now, if you guys stay with the Air Force, you've got a long wait because um, there's a backlog of training and you know you, you might get to Canada or you might train here, but it's going to be months. If you come with us, we'll take you straight to England and train you. And it was it was one of the biggest um, lies that any recruiter would ever put out there because by the time that those Kiwis actually got to fly an aircraft themselves or fly in one, usually the the guys that were on the RNZF course um, had been flying for a year. <laughs> wow, you know, or, or maybe or maybe up to a year, but you know, it, it's it's really interesting how they did that direct um, direct recruitment and yeah. uh, right. Ray himself, he was a really um, he was a really big advocate of telling the fleet air arm story, and he he's the one that got me interested in fleet air arm. He he emailed me one day when he saw in the newspaper that I was um, looking for uh, RNZF guys that fought in the Pacific, and he wow. said he said I fought in the Pacific, but I was fleet air arm, and we got chatting fire email, and and uh, he gave me a whole lot of other guys names and i ended up um oh. I, think, I think about 20 of them uh in the end i managed to interview so and and now i think all of them are gone so um yeah, right. so i've got i've got this archive of interviews with these guys and one of these days i will put it together and put it out but uh yeah that's all thanks to ray yeah right. i've got another yeah, guy down here ray in tamaru was, was what's another that guy in tamaru I've got um, another guy that flew Corsairs. He's in a retirement home down here in Timaru, and up until a couple of years ago, he was still coming out and flying circuits with us, dueling the Tomahawk wow. just to go flying. Oh, it was just, that, he was just into it, eh? That'd be uh, Noel, awesome. is it? Noel Hepburn. It, it, that is Noel. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. so yep, Noel, I, Noel's had a bit of a turn, and he's now in a home. Sadly, yeah, we do need yeah. to go see him and take him some um, fly past magazines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great guy. I, I met. Um, we took Brian Cox down to uh, Rangitata Island and got him yes. flying in yep. the Tiger Moth. And yeah, um, the, day, awesome. the day after we did that, uh, uh, Russell and Ross Brody and I uh, jumped in the car with Brian and we went down to Timaru and caught up with Noel because oh, yes. Brian and Noel had actually trained together. So they were old mates. Yeah. Wow. Um, he, um, so, yeah, it's, it's amazing, amazing cool. talking to the mate. Did he tell you about his um, formation training? Uh I'm not sure. I can't remember. He's got, he's got the story of his formation training where, like, back then it was all fast. It was all hand signals. So yep. the, the signal for come closer is the same signal in reverse for go away, pretty much. Noel's sitting there going, I'm doing really, really good. And the, the commander that he's formatting on, he thinks he's waving him in, and he goes, oh, shit, it's getting a bit close. He's waving him in, waving him in. Next minute, there's a bang, and his wingtip hits his tailplane. And then he all of a sudden realizes the commander was actually telling him to piss off. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Oh, so, um, cool. you guys, 
another question that I usually ask is, uh, what are your favorite aircraft types? And that can be the favorite that you have flown and also the favorite that you would like to fly or, or just love to watch. We asked this, this, uh, this on Kiwi Pilots the other day. Some of, the, um, some of it was quite interesting. <laughs> I'll let Aaron go first. Oh, yeah. yeah, Aaron can go first, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll go first. yeah. I'm, I'm loving the Hunter at the moment. Oh, Give the hunt. Hunter. Yeah. It's awesome, mate. I need to check my lotto ticket, but um, Dave Phillips might be getting a call if I do win it, so put it that way. <laughs> nice. Hey, cool. what about you, Fletch? I'd have to say, look, I love this this good old Cessna Aerobat. That's, you know, I just used to punch holes in the sky, and, yeah, I know the engine's pathetic, but that was just a great mission. I, I suppose I miss it, right? It's one of those things that you go yeah that was really cool and of course it's gone now um yeah. and it's just like oh man i really missed that it was just it was just fun it was just good fun and honest you know yeah Very couldn't cool. kill me well <laughs> you try let, let it go yeah. into a really good developed spin she'll try yeah well, <laughs> yeah i'll just try and keep it i just you know three thousand feet yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what's your favorite aaron oh I, I favorite I've flown, a favorite that I want to fly. Um, they've all got their different qualities. You know, I, I'm I've got a soft spot for a cab. I've got I'm extremely lucky to be allowed to fly some of the machines that I do. Um, I've got access to the Midget Mustang and the Nang Chang and you know some seriously cool machines. Um, haven't made friends with the Nang Chang yet though. She's still kicking my ass all over the sky. Um, I know. Mark 1A Spitfire is what I want to fly, or a P40. Um, Favourite's probably still the Piper Cub, though, because she's just a good, honest machine, like the like the 150 Aerobat. Everybody loves a good Cub. Everybody oh, yeah. loves a Cub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a pilot at all, but I have actually had a bit of a fly of a Cub uh, with, with Bill Handwood last year, and that was brilliant. It was really, really cool. Mm. They, they just say what they do on the tin. They're not... They're not actually fantastic at everything. They're just really, really honest. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. other machines that will outperform them and outdo them and outfly them easy. Um, but a cub is just really honest. And it, it never lies to you. If you listen to the stick, it'll tell you what it wants and what it's doing. Um, yeah. They're an incredibly honest machine. Have you um, done a lot of time on a 90-horse cub there, Aaron? No, not yet. I'm dying to get my hands on one because I've heard that they actually fly better than the super cub. And so I do I'm, want to get my hands on the carbon cub as well. I've um, done most of my cub time in a little 90 horse cub with big bush tyres. I used to cruise at like 70 mile an hour. It was a hell of a <laughs> long way to go anywhere, eh? Well, um, not knots. But it was it was just good fun. It's on floats now. Actually, that's like next week's mission, hopefully. Um, Ooh, brilliant. But I've, I need to do more in the old um, 150. I did a little bit of B&L at Canterbury. Oh, yes. So, we need, a, we need to smash some B&M time at some stage. Absolutely. Well, she's a 160, mate. She's um, she's a bit of a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do some banner towing at the same time because picking up the banner with that thing is fantastic. Screaming at the ground at, as fast as you can go and pulling it into a 45-degree climb as you go through the gate is brilliant. <laughs> that sounds like my kind of weekend. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Brilliant. So what are you guys, uh, what have you been reading or watching or listening to lately aviation-wise? Have you guys got anything? Uh, I, I'll actually start off. Um, 
something I'm really, really enjoying lately. I've, I've been getting into Mike Patey's channel on, on YouTube where he's um, uh, building his, well, <laughs> I was going to say carbon cub, but it's not really a carbon cub anymore. It's, he started with the concept of a carbon cub and he's turning it into something just incredible. And it's called Scrappy because it's made of lots of scraps out of his workshop. Uh, he's he's the chap that um, built the Vilga um, Draco. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh yeah. And accidentally yeah. crashed it. Um, crashed it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's now he's now flat out into his um, his super carbon cub, I guess you'd call it. And my God, his skills as an engineer are just absolutely brilliant. Like. This whole thing, he's making it as light as possible. So he's eliminating as much of the metal and turning it into um, carbon, um, was it carbon fiber or yeah, carbon fiber. Um, I must say, well, as a machinist, I don't approve of getting rid of metal. We need metal. Good. Go back to wood. It flies properly. It's it's got enough metal in it to to, to work, but um, he's just making it really really light and. Uh, he's, he's got a big engine that he's going to put on it that used to be in his race plane. Uh, and um, the guy, but it's not just his engineering, but he's actually a really likable guy to watch. And he's a, he's a really good explainer of everything he's doing uh, in the workshop. And, you know, it's just fascinating to watch him do this stuff. He says what he's going to do, and then he does it, and he gets it right every time. And it's, it's, it's a really cool channel. I totally, totally recommend it. Um, plus, he's going to be... That when he's when he's got Scrappy going, he's going to then rebuild, well, build another um, Vilga. Uh, he's got a new one that he's just bought, okay. but he's gonna he's gonna super um, trip it out, you know, and make it like Draco but better. So um, Even better, wow! That's uh, crazy. Get rid of the trailing link undercarriage for a start might help. Yeah. <laughs> that was partially nice. his undoing, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, the the uh, book, the latest book I read over Christmas, which I mean, it was just a um, non-fiction. It's pretty good. It was called Death of a Young Lieutenant by B. R. State Statham. I didn't know where it came from, but it was. It's a bit like a you know, good old boys adventure. Uh, World War One, kind of the start of World War One, literally. And I, I'd have to say, a lot of the facts were actually pretty, pretty bang on. Um, pretty awesome, easy read. Um, really enjoyed it good boys sort of adventure well i shouldn't say boy should i say um adventurous and uh the uh what would i have to say i did, i really enjoy flight chops so i just find flight chops pretty pretty entertaining you know he's sort of going on a journey and he sort of just literally takes the camera with him which is which is pretty awesome i do right, enjoy that right. uh, yeah, on right. youtube yep i've watched yeah, well, it I've, I've watched it a couple of times mm. yeah well i've been watching um uh, it's on YouTube. It's called uh, Air Crew Interview, and it's oh, yeah. it's um some Tommy yep. fella, and he basically interviews a whole bunch of ex Air Force guys from like Buccaneer, Hunter, Mirage, Lightning days, um, up to the modern day, and it's just cool. Some of it you've got to admit is pretty bland and boring. You just yeah, but a lot of it's just about those sort of intimate details of flying cool airplanes. Yep. Um. So that's been really cool. Um, apart from that, I don't really do much reading anymore. Flying is it? <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Flight flight manuals. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, isn't that just how the stick feels? Isn't that the manual? 
<laughs> it, is, it is when you get into the age of airplanes, you're flying. Uh, I think the Stearman's got about a five-page manual. It's got a bigger engine and only one page is relevant, and it tells you that the uh, max all-up weight's a bit higher. That's about it. Wow. That's cool. Brilliant. Nice. Um, I'm into reading the um, the older the older aviation books because it's it's flying at its grassroots without um without threat near management and all the other rubbish and buzzwords that we throw on top of it it's just pure flying eyes outside attitude and power kind of flying um so i've managed to very generously someone has lent me a what's called a black manual which is um it's where New Zealand flight training is inherited from. So you've kind of got the American way and the English way, and the black manual um, is the evolution of the English way that the Kiwis essentially have inherited. It's power, attitude, trim, and attitude, power, trim. But it's at its very, very basic core level. Um, so I've been working my way through that. Um, last thing I watched that really captured me was a thing with a guy called Arthur Williams uh, flying a Piper Cub across the UK, which was just right. fantastic. Because he went to all the old airfields, it was just really, really cool. And to watch this guy in a wheelchair with his wheelchair in the back of this old, was it a J3 Cub or a J4 Cub? Something um, like that. Re- yeah. Yeah. It was the old exposed engine Cub, um, rudder in one hand, stick in the other hand. It was it was brilliant watching it. Really cool series. I think it's, I think you can actually get it for free online there. Oh, yeah, I think you can. It's called um, Flying Across Britain, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds like it with Arthur Williams. Mm. Yep, very, very cool series. Um, now, you're talking about uh, liking the, the, the old style of flying. Uh, there's a new book that's just come out, which um, I just want to plug here because uh, I've, I've just received a copy this week. I haven't read it yet, but just from looking at it, uh, you know, undoing it out of the parcel in the post, it's just a stunning book. It's called The First. It's by Terry Moyle, and it's about the Walsh Brothers Flying School uh, and all of their operations up in uh, Koemarama. And um, what Terry's done is he's, he's actually gone to the family, the descendants of the Walsh brothers, and um, they have an archive of a whole lot of information that's never been tapped into before uh, by historians and, and all the and photographs as well. Um, and Basically, he's found that a whole lot of stuff that's been written in the history books over the years about this famous school and the famous brothers uh, has been recorded wrong. And he's actually um, he's found a whole lot of stuff in this direct archive recorded at the time by the family, uh, by the Walsh brothers, um, which I believe he said there were five of them altogether. There's two sisters and three brothers. So we always think of Leo and Vivian, but it's actually there were five of them in it. Um, and... He's found all the all this new information, but he's put the story together. Uh, it's a nice big book, but the other thing is Terry's an artist, um, an illustrator, and he does these fantastic sort of Art Deco style paintings. And he's he's actually illustrated the book uh, throughout with all the scenes of um, these aircraft and and you know Auckland Harbour, Koe Marama. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful book. Uh, honestly, if you're into aviation and New Zealand history, this is the book to get. It really is a stunner. And um, support Terry because he's uh, he's been unwell. He's he's sort of 
fought a bit of a battle as he's gone through putting this book together. And um, I'd really like to, um, you know, get people buying his book. Mm, so that, that's cool. Where, where can you get it? Um, actually, the best place to get it is directly from Terry, and I'll put his okay. um, I'll put his email into the show notes. Um, and uh, there's a page on uh, Wings Over New Zealand too that has his uh, um, his email, which I should have in front of me. Uh, his company is Contour Creative. Um, they they do the um, he does he does the art through there. He does a lot of cards and. Um, posters and various things like that. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, I don't know if you ever saw, he put out a range of uh, paper aeroplanes that you, you cut out and fold up. Uh, and um, they were all based on New Zealand um, tiger moths and various things like that, actual colour schemes. Beautiful, beautiful job. Cool. Um, but I'll just find his email here. It should be in front of me in just a second. Um, just to put that out there because it's quite important that uh, it's it's not getting a wide distributorship and if you go directly to, to Terry contourcreative at extra.co.nz so that contour is C-O-N-T-O-U-R and then creative all one word at extra.co.nz and um, I think he said the book is $55 um which is, it's an absolute bargain. And I can see that this is going to become one of those books that will be a, a collector's item in the future. So um, mm. I'm going to be reviewing it uh, when I get to get a chance to read it. And I'll, I'll put a review into um, Sport Fly magazine, which I'm the editor of. And um, cool. and I'll also um, put one up on the forum. So, But there's already a thread on the forum. Um, just look under the, the book section uh, for the first by Terry Moore. Um, there's actually another book that I've just got this uh, same week, this week as well, um, and that is um, No Glory Without Effort by Glenn Strange. And this this is a book he wrote in, in, he wrote it in 2004, uh, and what he's done is he's had a whole lot more information come in, and so he's done an expanded version, and it's about a 75 Squadron uh, Lancaster crew who were on a bombing mission in 1944 and uh, they got shot up quite badly. The tail gunner was killed. Um, the captain, Noel Stokes, realised they weren't going to get home and he told the crew to bail out. And they were bailing out over France and he realised that he couldn't hold the aircraft. Um, He, he couldn't he couldn't let he couldn't let go of the aircraft and bail out without it uh, going straight into a French village that was in front of him. So he stayed at the controls to steer this aircraft away from the village, and um, went down with the aircraft and was killed. But he saved the village because it would have absolutely caused a devastating crash. Um, so what the what what actually happens in that village every year now is they have a commemoration. Yeah, I've heard this. Um, yeah, I've heard yeah, this. And, yeah. and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a stunning story. And um, Glenn tracked down survivors of the rest of the crew. And one of those, uh, the, the the second pilot, he, he was the second dickie that night. That was his very first operation. Um, and he was from here in Cambridge. And um, I, I actually uh, knew his sister. And his sister put me onto him. And... I, I interviewed him years ago, 
and uh, it was through my interview that uh, Glenn found out about him and put two and two together, and so he got to interview him as well. Um, but uh, yeah, really, really interesting story, and it's an interesting book in that um, if you open it up, on the le left-hand page, it's in English, and the right-hand page is in French each each time. So um, it, it's in both languages, and so it sells well in the village, and, uh, you, you know, there's still a lot of interest over there, um, and and it's, it's for our market as well. Um, so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll definitely put uh, something into the show notes on that book as well because it's just come out again with this much more expanded, bigger version. Um, and I haven't had a chance to, to read it yet, but yeah, it's, a, it's another good good book. Yeah, I, I've got a friend who her grand, grandfather was on the aircraft. Uh, she was there with for Lawrence uh, from Lawrence down in South Island. Um, okay. Yeah, and she was saying they they actually went back as a family and did the walk with the the whole town um, town. And it was just it was just I'm sitting there going what you know unbelievable. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, really hey, cool. Hey, um, Dave, just one one last thing, just to bring in the the fact that you brought in the Welsh, um, because mm -hmm. there is uh, there's probably a bit of information that's probably not widely known about. There is actually the Welsh Memorial. Obviously, a lot of people know the Welsh Memorial Flying School. We've got the yep. Welsh um, Library at Motat as well. So yes. nineteen, uh, forget the year now, nineteen fifty, whatever the first air show was at Auckland. Um, the money from that went towards the, and there's actually now a. Um, there is a fund and the fund does give away money. It's mainly awards uh, and the money's just sort of like a little bit extra. And sadly, because a lot of, um, you know, people go, oh, great, I, I want to do more flying. But it's the money doesn't, it's not, you know, to go towards money, but it's a bit like, you know, Aaron, um, you know, people in the industry that do great things in aviation, um, yep. uh, there's writers and, and other things. Sadly, there's not many aviation writers. Um, but, um, you know, um, it, it's, it's trying to sort of recognise people in, in the aviation world. Um, the website's nzat.org. It needs a bit of work. I I was the only one. A lot of the other guys are a bit, um, bit older on the actual board itself. Um, needs a little bit more uh, um, younger blood. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, let the listeners know about it because there's there's some pretty cool awards in there, um, but it's just not well. hasn't uh, hasn't sort of got its marketing um, right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's no, about put... nine nine trusts um, all sort of together under uh, under NZAT. It's called the New Zealand Aeronautical Trust. Uh, NZAT.org. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll put that up into the uh, show notes as well with that link. Thanks mm, for that. Definitely. Cool. No, cool. Hey, listeners. It's Dave here. We'll get back to the main show soon, but I just wanted to interject with a little pre-recorded piece here from Grant McCarran in Australia. He recorded this piece quite some time ago and sent it in, but unfortunately at the time the Wings of New Zealand show was on hiatus and we didn't actually get to air it at the time. So here it is, Grant McCarran with Doug Hamilton. Well I'm standing here at Avalon Air Show and I'm here with uh, Doug Hamilton. Doug, how are you going man? I'm, I'm good Grant, and you, and you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, really enjoying the show. It's been a very long time since you and I last caught up and had a chat. <laughs> it is, yeah, we were just talking before and uh, I'm putting that at about four years ago, maybe more. Yeah, because it was just after you'd got your uh, Mustang check out to fly the CA-20. That's right, yeah, and then, what, what a great aeroplane they are. Oh, beautiful looking, beautiful sounding. And, but uh, speaking of beautiful aircraft, you've got uh, quite the fleet going. How's, it, how's that doing? Well, 
I don't deliberately set about it, but it slowly grows. Um, I'm a lot better at buying aeroplanes or building them than selling them. But uh, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, we've uh, got a few aeroplanes there and a few, you know, quite classic and no- nice aeroplanes. Yeah, it's always always fun to check out your hangar and see what's there. But uh, mate, the uh, the real hangar, I look at it every time I fly overhead in a in a commercial airliner at thirty thousand feet. Look down, and if it's nice weather, I can see Wangaratta Airport, and I can see that big shed. That you're now, are you the sole owner of that or a co-owner? No, it's a sole owner. Um, yeah, the, my aviation's gone from a hobby to uh, a business. Like we've got sixteen guys there building aeroplanes now, or restoring aeroplanes. Uh, it's yeah, it's delayed my retirement somewhat. <laughs> Just a tad, but it's it's definitely an enormous shed. You've got like a P40 construction line there, I believe. Yeah, we're specialising in P40s. Um, the boys are building, you know, other components and things. We've got uh, Corsair centre section there at the moment and, uh, you know, some other odds and sods, but predominantly P40s where our focus uh, lies at the minute. And you do have a rather beautiful, I believe it's a P40N? P40N5, yeah, um, and we've set that up as a two-seater and, and controls in the back. It's, uh, you know, P40 is just a beautiful aeroplane. They're, they're quite underrated, I reckon. Yeah, well, you, um, are you getting much uh, interest in that two-seat mod for other P40s coming off the line? Yeah, we are, actually. We, um, it's kind of become our specialty. Uh, most of the P40 fuses we're doing now are going into the two-seat configuration, and we had... Um, had a guy from America come out 18 months ago and saw the our two-seat conversion and uh, stripped his P40 down, pulled the fuselage off, sent it over to us and uh, we actually built it into the original factory TP. So uh, that, that's a bit of a feather in their cap, I reckon, when the Americans send an aeroplane out here to get modified. Yeah, that's definitely an amazing feat. Well done. Um, now, uh, do you, are you at the... the Classic P40 is rather short in the in the fuselage. Got that short moment arm of the tail. Does it have to be one of the longer fuselage ones, or can you do it with any? Well, we could could do it with any, but as you know, as chance would have it, it will, it's it's all the long tail or the long fuse ones that we're doing, okay. and they lend they do lend themselves nicely to it with that rear canopy setup they've got. Yeah, it does make it a bit easier. So. Uh, now, speaking of two-seaters, uh, you've just had a rather young gentleman from New Zealand come through and get checked out. Uh, Dave's interviewed Bevan and spoken to him about how it went from his perspective. So how did it go for, how did you get to know Bevan and, and get to the point where you were willing to let him take the controls of a P40? Well, Peter, Peter Anderson, or Ando, as most people know him, uh, rang me and said, Doug, there's a young, young guy from New Zealand coming out here. Um, you know, can I bring him up and and uh, introduce him to you and uh, you know you get to know him a little bit so uh, Ando turned up with Bevan in tow and you know, I instant, instantly sort of took a liking to Bevan he's uh, he's a pretty special breeder guy I, I constantly look around for young guys because you hear all these stories about 18 year olds flying P40s and I'm constantly looking around thinking what sort of 18-year-old would fly a P40, you know, or a Mustang or a Spit or anything? Um, and now and then you identify them. And Bevan was one after talking with him a little bit and then we f- went out and flew around the little Ronca Champ and then the Decathlon and, uh, you know, and I got to know Evan, uh, Bevan a bit and he, um, yeah, he's, he's a young guy with some special skills and very well-disciplined guy. Um, 
there's plenty of young guys who would love to go and fly this sort of stuff, but um, you know, Bevan was it was a standout for me. And uh, look, over a couple of visits, he came out and uh, you know flew around in some smaller aeroplanes, and then I did some flying in the Harvard with him, and then said, "You just go, and, you know, fly that every day." So he was staying out at our farm where we've got an airstrip. Um, we now got a accommodation down in the hangar. So Bevan would fly into Wang every day in the, the Harvard. Anyway, he, he got really comfortable in that and I said to him one day, right, oh, jump in the back seat of the P-40 and we went for a fly and uh, I talked him through what I was doing and then we swapped seats. Look, but very good operator, well disciplined and, uh, you know, that's the sort of guys who would have would have stood out, you know, back in the 40s flying these things. So were you ever going to let him go solo in the P-40? Um, yeah, I certainly would be happy to. It's, um, you know, the insurance issues is why why I've got to be in the back. But, I, you know, when I'm in the back with, with Bevan flying, I've got my hands up on the side rails and I'm not thinking about having to take over anything. You're a very good operator. Excellent. Anything else you'd like to say for the folks on uh, the Wings Over New Zealand show while we're here? Uh, no, not really. Um, I see the Aerocobras flown over there. That's fantastic. Like, it... Uh, it was Pioneer took it and finished it off when uh, when Wang looked like it was going to close down after Murray's very unfortunate death. Um, but you know that goes goes back to the Wang operation. They uh, they did a lot of work on that aeroplane and the guys, a couple of the guys that are there now, you know, one of the guys built the wing for it. So we're uh, great to see that flying and uh, yeah, look, the movement in Australia and New Zealand's going along nicely. It's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Well, mate, thanks very much for uh, taking the time for a quick chat. Really appreciate it. All right, we'll go and brave the uh, the heat and high winds of Avalon for another day. <laughs> it's certainly building that way. I'm enjoying the cool while it's here. All right, take care, Grant. Cheers. Thanks, Doug. Cheers. Um, now to, to the section of the show uh, called shout-outs. And has anyone got – well, you've just given a really good shout-out there, but has anyone got any shout-outs to organisations or individuals or events or anything like that? Uh, PMH Aviation, woohoo! Um, <laughs> no, so we're, we're we're a startup company doing the Fox Moth rides, eh? So um, the website's still a work in progress, but check us out on Facebook, eh? PMH yep. Aviation Limited, good stuff, good fun. Awesome, awesome. I follow I follow that already. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We um got a few things on the works for the next couple of years hoping to expand the fleet and stuff but you know for now fox moth rides free wine champagne can't go wrong awesome cool. on nationals as well uh what's that i think it's 19th 20th 21st in tauranga um open to spectators so you can come down and watch all the club pilots from across the country compete with each other and i think we've got the wings competition this year which is the Australasian, so that's New Zealand versus Aussie in Taronga. Um, cool. Yeah. Nice. Is the uh, Hunter competing? Yes. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I want to see that in the spot landing, mate. See if you can get it on the 50 grid. <laughs> mate, just get that drogue shirt out. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't let the helicopter boys compete. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the only other one, uh, look, I'm a member of Warbirds, but you know Warbirds has really come up, um, spent a lot of money, uh, got some great aircraft now, World War One stuff, stuff that you sort of just don't realise, and some awesome models. So there's you know, and there's a lot of information and and, and some great stories. So it's amazing, you know, people don't realise what we've what we've got um, there. So 
just wanted to do a shout out for Woolbirds down at and based at Ardmore. And uh, yeah, I, to- I totally endorse that too. The, the, a, the facility's just gone from strength to strength. There, it's brilliant. And yeah, uh, we've amazing. we've got your Bristol fighter here waiting for you to pick up too. <laughs> when, when you're ready, Fantastic. I am. Hey, I, actually, I, uh, I got invited to do do the camera ship for the photo flight of it. Nothing's been released yet, but I tell you, turning okay. around and seeing that thing in the sunset, oh yeah, wow. you want to hold out for those Can't photos. Awesome. Can't wait. Very cool. The, the only shout out I've got uh, for this episode is there's a chap who's recently joined the Wings of New Zealand forum called NZ Grasshopper, and he's been posting photos of his one six scale P40 model, and it's uh, it's not you know one six you think of an RC model well it's not it's a, it's an exact replica off the factory drawings of a P40N, and uh, it's it's all metal. Or exactly how it would have been built, except one sixth of the scale. Uh, so if you go onto the forum and go into the model section, you'll see it there. It's just causing a phenomenon with uh, the photos he's put up are just staggering. He's been working on this for several years, and it is just incredible. And the plan is that it will be painted as NZ3220 Glory Alliance, which is the one we were talking about earlier. And I must say, wow. I mean, we work. We work with a lot of those original drawings, and I can tell you they are difficult to work at in full scale. I can only imagine in one six would be impossible. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so I'll I'll put the link of that on the show notes as well, and you can, uh, well, everyone have a look on the have a look at it because you'll just be blown away. Um, so the last section of the episode now is just the events that we've got coming up, and we've probably mentioned a few already, but. Um, on the 6th to the 9th of February, we've got the Sport Aviation, sorry, we've got the Sport Aircraft Association of New Zealand's AGM and um, Fly-In Sport AVEX at Hara. Uh, I'll be going down to that. And uh, so looking forward to that. That's coming up this weekend. Uh, well, it actually starts tomorrow. So, um, And then we've got uh, on the 9th of February, there's a rocket day at O'Reni near Huntley. So they'll be letting some rockets off if you're in the area. Uh, model rockets, I should say. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a fly-in at Turangi on the 16th of February. And uh, as Aaron said, there's the Flying NZ National Flying Champs at Tauranga on the 17th to the 22nd of February. Uh, there's the Art Deco Weekend at Napier coming up, which runs from the 19th through the 23rd of February. Um, we've got the New Zealand Aerobatic Club Nationals, uh, which is going to be 27th of February to the 2nd of March at Hood Aerodrome at Masterton. And then we've got um, on the 29th of February is the uh, Takawai Country Market and Family Day, which I shall be there as well. That's always a good event. Um, I think there's going to be a fair bit more aviation going on if the weather holds this year. Um, and from what I hear, a lot of market stands as well. Um, and then we've got the all around the country. Uh, if you look at your local airfield, you might see the Tiger Moth Safari coming through between the 29th of February and the 13th of March. I was just uh, looking for the dates for that. Yeah, that'll be a, a good one. I wish I could, could go on that, but uh, unfortunately, won't be. Um, but 
they, they'll be flying from, they start in Northland and go all the way down to the bottom of the South Island, then back up to Ashburton, where the Tiger Moth Club will then have their AGM meeting um, to, to finish it off. So there's sort of two weeks of flying there, which is brilliant. Uh, and just the last one on the list, uh, on the 15th of March, Warbirds on Parade at Ardmore. So that's the next uh, Warbird Open Day. And it now has the name Warbirds on Parade, which some of you youngsters may not know, but way back at the beginning when Warbirds over Wanaka first started, that's what that was called as well. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Cool. So there's plenty happening in the the next month or so. And, um, yeah, good flying to everybody who's involved. And thank you very much to my three guests. I hope you uh, enjoyed this. And um, good flying to you guys as well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, cheers. I know. Thanks for the invite, Dave. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, being yeah. with uh, two awesome errands as well. So I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's all the name, want us back, we come as a package. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Thanks very much. Right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. <laughs>